a lot of money grants are only allocated to sporting clubs that are recognized as a sport. So even if we are not funded directly by Sports Australia, then we get access to a lot of other grants. And this is mainly the thing that I'm pushing for. And yeah, that's all I wanted to say. In terms of availability of grants, um, I know like it has been looked into by QA and probably other clubs and stuff as well, but like the prevalence of community group grants as well. Uh, while we are still working towards the NSO recognition, potentially that's then something that not only QA can continue to look at, but maybe we can promote to clubs to work on locally. Um, so like at ANU, we are uh, governed under ANU Sport and they've recently referred us to like basically a website where you can apply for any and every grant under the sun um, for sports grants. So potentially um, getting resources out there that tells clubs how they can individually work towards their own grants. And if other clubs can have more money, then it kind of takes stress off of QA to have to like fill in the gaps of money or um, like you, you can, yeah, or you can increase, like you can have team fees that are higher because they have grants that can pay for it or something like that. I can feed up if the, if the individual clubs are not struggling to buy their own equipment, if the if they have the ability to buy equipment that can then be used for state and stuff, that means that state isn't having to fork out to have these resources available. Um, like we can afford to get better pitches and stuff and, and have... Live streaming. Like, yeah, live streaming, more tra- like more training grounds paid for, like state training and stuff, every team that could contribute a bit to that because they have more money to, to do so. So essentially summarising Logan, it was just empower, provide resources that empower local clubs. Yeah. And okay, yeah. I think two things. Um, first, the university clubs have it good because they often get paid by their, like the universities themselves, which is really useful for you, Sid. We got like thousands of, <laughs> thousands yeah. of dollars. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and we like we got crazy amounts of money, which we could do a lot of things with. Um, But then you've got community teams who um, have to everything that they buy is coming directly out of players' pockets, and that also includes the team fees, their equipment. That's why Nightmares only has one set of hoops. Um, So, like three, three Three hoops. Um, But it means that, like, I think that the problem with, even though QA has a lot of ideas, things they want to fund, um, reaching into the pockets of players is to do so is going to make it more and more unsustainable for QA to keep expanding um, and makes the sport less available um, and accessible for people. So um, outside fundraising is good. Getting other people to pay for us to play is the best option. Um, but I also think that like with, um, if a club does get a grant, um, it might be useful to provide not only resources on how to get a grant, but like what to do with more money and to, um, for QA to open up for suggestions. Like, what do you want us to do with money? Like, I know that some people think funding something like state or Quaffle or something like state is really important because it's a really high profile thing. But other people think, no, only like 21 people from New South Wales get to participate in that or 42 or whatever. So we should be funding Quaffle where everyone gets to go to, or we should be funding um, development days or we should be funding NQLs or something. So QA having a strategic plan about like if we got more money, 
if and when we get more money, where do we go? Like, where do we spend it? Where do you want it to go? Um, do you want like high quality state live stream or do you want nicer pictures for NQL? I think also this doesn't relate very much with what Ava was talking about. Um, it does relate in the sense that we're reaching out in the, into players' pockets a lot because it broke my heart when someone told me, oh, I didn't try out for drop bears. And this is a person that could have made drop bears quite easily, I want to say, but told me I didn't try out for drop bears because I couldn't afford to go to the United States anyway. And I think that could be possibly one of the most elite way of spending money instead of going more towards the community but it gives us very high visibility if we win world cup because the year that we won world cup i was able at this stall to say to everyone oh yeah come play quidditch we're currently world champions it was very attractive so it's not just oh yeah we're paying the flight for this 21 people plus five we're also making an investment for the visibility of the sport. So I say, just tell people you're the world champion anyway, we're not going to match you. Yeah. <laughs> you Logan just said something that's probably not good to record, but <laughs> <laughs> Logan said, just lie. Just say we're the world champions anyway. Probably a very unpopular opinion, but I think that our membership fees are too low. Like when I first joined in 2018, I think it was, was it $40 or something? Soccer Rego for a six month period is $300 and people pay that. I'm, I, I know that, but I think that $60 is too low for a 12 month period. Like it's a very long period of time and I don't think that it's not worth, I, th I think it's worth exploring some other figure that is reasonable for people to be able to afford, but also that can help us fund things. I'm sure it's a very unpopular opinion, but there you go. Five minutes. Well, kind of um, adding on to that, would it be possible maybe to have like tiered registration, the fact that just talking from like UTS experience, because we do get paid by our uni, our uni will cover registration fees. So as in, if there was an option where maybe you could do like the $40 registration or like an $80 registration. I could just, anyone playing for UTS, I can put them all under the more expensive registration and get the uni to pay for it rather than our own team. But like, I, we can't like just donate to QA because the uni won't pay for that. But if it's under registration fees. I've been saying this for a few years, but I feel like um, having like a tier system, but your first year of Quidditch is like 30 bucks and that gets people in. People become committed. You're then like, now you need to pay 90 bucks and people will still do it because they're like, well, I'm committed now. Um, it's having a low fee is really important for newbies because they're like, I don't want to shell out $90 for something I may never do again, but I'm happy to shell out like $20, $30, $40, whatever. Um, and then once you've got them hooked, I say this being one who's also hooked, um, you then get them to pay a lot more money um, but also if clubs can get their registration fee covered by uni, that would be a great extra option. Do you like the deluxe membership? <laughs> you get a free sticker. <laughs> that's, like that's, that's the thing, like coming from a university team where we get 
very like getting support from the uni is very hard get, especially getting monetary support from the, the uni is hard it is that is directly like putting putting that putting those fees up is directly increasing the fees that we are paying which is fine as you said for players who are going to stay anyway and happy, like happy but Again, yeah, okay, soccer registration is 300 plus, what, like, whatever, yeah, so, like, whatever, cheer, gymnastics, whatever, the, their fees are ridiculous. But when do people start pay, playing those? They start playing when they're six and their parents are paying for it. They don't start playing when they're at university and having to personally shell out the money. Now, it, however we want to deal with that, whether it is, yeah, a tiered system where it's like if you are receiving monetary support because the university is willing to pay for it, cool, you can contribute extra and kind of removing that for community teams where it is literally coming out of people's pocket directly, having having a way to kind of reduce the impact of needing to put our fees up on those players because it it isn't affecting players who are already having their radio covered. All right, we're but running out of time, so. Yeah. Um, one reason that I joined Quidditch originally was because it was the most affordable thing available. Um, and I think that's really, really important, especially when we're some like rando sport, um, you need it to be accessible monetarily, like you were saying. But yeah, charge hackers out of people who are already in the cult. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, on Ava's point, of tiering membership fees. This is something I'm super keen on in principle. That's a practical aspect of enforcement that needs to be considered beforehand. Because yeah, we already have problems with people trying to sign up for like the trial membership when it's only applicable to first time players and all the rest. Because they just want to do one tournament and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that is a concern, valid point, Ingram. Um, I also just wanted to bring up back to the raising money. Like I've got the, yeah, no, all good, all good. Um, like we, we do need to increase our membership to be able to offer more stuff. So like I was having an argument with Danny the other day because he didn't like the fact we were charging for the forum. And he was like, why isn't this coming out of our membership fees? I'm like membership fees pay for playing and that is it. If we want to, we need to offer strategic forums every year. So that's either going to have to come out of the participants or come out of the membership fee. And that admin stuff that we're talking about, that's going to need to get paid for somehow. Um, and yes, grants will help, but you have to use grants for specific reasons like inclusivity and stuff like that. And so grants won't be our answer to everything. So I like the tiered system as long as we can enforce it. But yeah, it's just a reality we're going to have to deal with eventually. We do. So we have like social players and competitive players and like a $5 membership thing. Yeah. I, I was going to say, you need to be insured to be on the pitch. Um, I just wanted to add back to the fact that we need to increase membership fees. I think that's entirely reasonable. Um, I think there's a couple of points I just wanted to say. So like we talked about, um, some people join the sport because it's like the cheapest sport that's around like by far. I still think that there is an ability to increase the cost and still have it be the cheapest sport around. And there's also the fact of like, so like you said, I assume it's like, it's like five bucks or something, right? Or you get like a club card or something and then you like join up. Yeah. 
I'm not 100 percent around. Yeah, and then I think it's like Newcastle is the same thing. It's like five bucks, and then you pay as you kind of as you go along. So, oh, costly. So if you join ANU, you pay about eighty to ninety dollars a year just to be an ANU member, and then in previous years, it's some of it's gone towards your QA membership. Um, and then if you're not an ANU student and you want to play for ANU, you pay an extra hundred and twenty dollars as well. So we have players who pay like. $200 or more just for membership per year. And as much as not the best example that we've had a, a drop in membership on our previous year, that, that pricing structure has continued for the past like five years, at least like since I've been playing, it's been around about the same price point for those things. And we still have members joining. Um, obviously you know, you're going through your lulls and your, your increases, but us having already been in the sport where we're like, oh, but it used to be 40 bucks and now it's going to be 80 bucks. I think to us, we're like, well, that's a big change. But you have to put yourself in the shoes of someone who's coming to the sport and goes, oh, it's 80 bucks. Well, that's still way cheaper than soccer or cheerleading or whatever. Like I, if you can find, it's, it's not true for everyone, but I think if you can find 40 bucks or 50 bucks, you can find 80 bucks. And obviously like there are people that that is a big change for, but similarly, it's manageable and I don't think it's going to be the, as big a barrier as, as it is to us knowing because we, we already know what the price used to be. I'm sorry, but we do need to wrap up now. So Logan, did you want to wrap up the conversation and we'll move on? Um, Nora loves money is the first thing. Um, <laughs> so I think the main thing was we looked at uh, maybe ways for uh, to raise money and we talked about how potentially uh, we could put that back onto clubs by giving them the resources and uh, sort of empowering them to apply for specific grants, um, showing them what grants are available, but then also from QA specifically looking at grants, but that also then ties in with our NSO recognition that that's often a requirement that we need to look at. Um, we also talked about how um, when we actually have this money, potentially QA needs to sort of uh, take an overarching opinion where we can reach out to um, to our members to ask them how we want the money to be spent, but also QA to kind of take a leading role on what is the most efficient or effective way to spend that money. Um, and then the main thing revolved around the increase in membership fees. And we talked about whether a, whether that's a good idea to begin with B, whether maybe we want like a tiered membership system first year is cheap or something like that, or maybe uh, unis or places that have the ability to sort of offload the costs to other bodies can um, potentially pay a higher price to sort of offset community teams and, uh, involvement from other less benefited teams. Yeah. Yep. Perfect.